Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, Brewer fans, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Brew Crew Review. This is Scott. I am joined uh, today by Vince and Craig, who are both doing fine. And I'll just get right back into the, um, uh, the recap of today's game. Brewers uh, win 3 nothing on a one-hit shutout, um, masterful pitching performances, a combined effort. But uh, Woodruff was uh, phenomenal today. Um, I'll go through his line really, really quick here. So Woodruff, uh, six and a third, one hit, one walk, 10 Ks, uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Joe Musgrove, uh, he actually pitched pretty well, but he had a tough luck day. He gave up three earned runs in five and two thirds um, for the Pirates. And that was plenty for the Brewers to coast to a three nothing victory. Uh, Phelps, Williams, and Hayter all followed Woodruff. None of them gave, it, gave up a hit. So there was only one hit in the entire game. Um, by the Pirates, and it went about, I don't know, 30 feet or something like that. So um, really, really dominant, masterful performance. Uh, scoring on the Brewers' end, uh, Ben Gamble got the uh, offense started with a two-run home run, and then Keston Hero with his second homer in as many days, uh, tacked on a third run, 3 nothing. That's all we needed. Um, so, guys, great, great game. What do you guys think? Let's start with you, Vince. Yeah, good recap there, Scotty. Uh, good research by the interns as well. Um, obviously, a masterful pitching performance by Brandon Woodruff, who really is turning into an ace, uh, both for this staff. And I, I think we're close to being able to say, you know, one of the better pitchers in the National League. And certainly given his age, it, it really gives a lot uh, for Brewer fans to look forward to in coming seasons as well um, as this year. Um, just as you guys know, I'm a, a history fan and a Brewers history fan, so I uh, thought it worth pointing out that um, Brandon Woodruff's one-hitter is the 17th one-hitter in franchise history. And then, of course, Juan Nieves has the only no-hitter in franchise history. So uh, Brandon Woodruff joining uh, that list tonight and um, really brought back memories, of course, as I'm sure it did for you guys, of the game in 2008 in Pittsburgh at the same stadium against the same team uh, with CC Sabathia giving up just the one infield single that probably should have been ruled an error. Uh, in a one-hitter in the same ballpark for the Brewers. But um, overall, great performance. Uh, Keston here also continues his hot hitting in Pittsburgh. Um, saw a stat earlier tonight. He's got 21 career home runs, and uh, uh, seven of those are uh, against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. So a third of his career home runs have actually taken place in that ballpark against the Pirates, which is a wow. crazy stat that our interns dug up tonight. Yeah, not exactly an easy place to hit one out either. No, it's wow. Not. You're, I mean, you're, you're both your interns are doing a great job tonight, Scott. Um, <laughs> definitely, uh, except for I think that one of the interns you should fire because you mentioned at the top of the show that since I were both doing well, but when your intern asked me that in the pre-production thing, I actually said I wasn't doing that well. But apparently, they need to be fired. But that's okay. Um, yeah, no, the <laughs> Brewer game was awesome. Uh, Brandon Woodruff um, really looked like the ace he looked like during summer camp, and of course during the playoffs last year for the Brewers. Um, or not in the playoffs, but toward the end of last season, obviously. Well, he did pitch the wildcard game, the last game that you guys attended together, actually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what a game. I mean, and now the Brewers back to 500, only game behind the Cubs here going forward after kind of a rough start. Um, I should mention, I guess, again, that unfortunately Kristen Yelich took an offer um, 
again, I think it's saying all 37 at this point. He's only hit of the season as a two-run homer. But anyway, once he gets going, watch out. Well, that's the, that's the thing, guys. So we're we're 500 right now after the first six games of the year, uh, one and one in series play, and that's really without many contributions. Uh, well, hardly any contributions from Christian Yelich, who had the one home run on uh, last Saturday against the Cubs. But other than that, it's pretty much been over on the season, um, including some really rough at bats. I mean. I definitely think Christian Yelich is going to come out of it. He's way too good of a hitter and uh, way too consistent of a professional not to come out of this. But, um, you know, to get to get to be a 500 team even uh, this early in the season with Christian Yelich having one hit in six games um, is probably not something that many Brewer fans would have picked on their bingo card, so to speak. And, um, you know, if, if – if you guys are still looking at Ryan Braun as one of the offensive leaders on this team, he's only had a couple hits on the year. Uh, hasn't played a ton. So, you know, to get, to get those types of contributions from two of the better hitters on the team and still be at 500, I think is a, actually a pretty good achievement um, so far and, and a testament to the starting pitching actually. Yeah. I think we can probably all agree that the Brewers haven't played their best ball yet. And so the fact that they're sitting there at, at 500 right now is definitely uh, definitely a good thing to give you an idea of how bad I guess the the Brewers um, offense has been so far um, out of the 30 teams in the league uh, the Brewers are tied for 26th uh, with a team batting average of 200 um, although for what it's worth um, the 29th worst team is the Pittsburgh Pirates who are batting a combined buck 94 so there you go Yeah, and I guess yeah. the the Brewers bullpen I, I thought was going to be one of our strengths going in, and uh, really, especially with the comeback of Knable and um, Hater, obviously being. It looks like we're going to keep Hater at least for now in that role of holder as he was tonight. Um, David Phelps pitched great yesterday and today. Um, or no, two, two days. I'm sorry, that was a mo- Monday and today. Two games of Pittsburgh series. And he really looked pretty solid um, for a guy. That wasn't sure what we we're going to get out of him. Uh, but the other guy I would like to really highlight right now is Devin Williams. Here's a former first-round pick, and I want to call him like this year's version of Trent Grisham as like also a former first-round pick from last year that kind of was written off as possibly going to have a stalled career and then came out of nowhere and uh, ultimately was a contributor all the way up until the playoff game for us last year before he traded them. Devin Williams looks like a phenomenal bullpen arm at this point, like a real possible back end of the bullpen type arm. Um, again, obviously a small sample size, but he really, you know, I think he's going to come into his own here. Um, and I'm glad the Brewers still have him. Yeah, he looked really sharp tonight, Craig. That's a, that's a really good addition here to this conversation. I, I thought he looked really sharp, um, you know, even going back to last season, coming out of the pen for the Brewers down the stretch. And uh, and yeah, called up in, I want to say late July last year for Milwaukee. And and he's looked good uh, both last year and so far in this young season as well. Um, No, we should, obviously the Brewers' big home opener is coming this Friday uh, in a big three-game series against the Cardinals. And in such a short season, every single uh, NL Central opponent series is huge especially against Cubs and Cardinals, in my opinion. So this is big. Um, however, with that being said, I, it has already been announced, I believe, that uh, Brett Anderson will be returning from his blister injury and starting on Friday. Also, that Andrew Hauser has been moving up a day, and he's going to start on Sunday. They haven't announced Saturday's start yet, I believe, which will probably be Corbin Burns or um, 
Eric Lauer or probably Brault or some combination of the three. Um, so anyway, what, what is your overall take on that? I, um, I'm hoping, I don't know, I thought Corbin Burns looked great in his start against the Cubs. And I was hoping that he solidifies himself. And I really, I was hoping Freddie Peralta would get a longer lease on rotation also. But I think that just because of this short season that, you know, whoever's starting isn't necessarily going to be going beyond five innings anyway. So it's kind of like a moot point uh, as there might be kind of like tandem type starters. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on uh, Brett Anderson officially starting the home opener at Miller Park on Friday with no fans in attendance? Craig, I, I know you're excited about uh, Anderson's tenure with the Brewers. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from this blister injury. It seemed to look pretty good um, up in Appleton uh, pitching there uh, in the last week or so. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how he does. He had, you know, decent numbers last year with Oakland, so excited for that. Uh, and just to let you know and answer your question, our anonymous source, Tom Carter, has said that uh, it will be Corbin Burns likely to start on Saturday, just so you know. I think we talked about that in the pre-production meeting, but that's from – um, our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Hmm. Oh, thanks, T. Carter. Yeah, that's good to know. I think he wanted Appreciate Tom that. C. or T. Carter. I guess either one of those. He didn't want to be, you know, we don't want to out him as our anonymous source. But, yeah, yeah that's good. Okay. Yeah, we, we wouldn't want to get our anonymous source furloughed or anything like that in these trying times. But, uh, no, definitely looking forward to – Hopefully, the MLB overall is getting past this hiccup of what's going on with the you know Miami Marlins and I guess full up Phillies uh, this week as far as like scheduling all getting out of whack and the Marlins basically not being able to play all week. Hopefully that those games get made up. It sounds like they're gonna possibly well a couple of things I guess since we got a little time here hopefully uh, that they. Um, Major League Baseball, I don't know if you guys saw this there, are thinking about allowing the 30-man rosters for the rest of the season. And they're also considering if it's for making up games, if they have to do doubleheaders, possibly they're having, having the first game of the doubleheader go nine innings, but then the second game of the doubleheader only game going seven. What are your thoughts on that? Both those things, I guess. Scott? I, I don't know. To me, it's just um, – it's just – it makes me wonder, like – I know that, you know, COVID really started hitting hard in the middle of March. And so that was right when we had spring training, but there, there was a pretty significant amount of time. I know this sounds like it's a really easy thing to do when I say it, but you would think that they would have, um, I don't know, like protocols in place by now, hopefully, like by the time opening day actually hit, I would think that they would say, well, if this scenario happens, we're going to do this. And if this, we're going to do this, that kind of a thing but it still seems like we're kind of just sort of making it up as we go, which from like an old fashioned, like baseball historian, I cringe every time they do this. But um, at the same time, I'm trying to be more open-minded because um, I mean, what else, like, what are you going to do? Like I want a baseball season at this point. And so if it's like, well, we have to do these things that make these concessions or make these changes to the game or else we're going to have to cancel the season. So like, I guess I, it's something I'm trying to deal with. I don't like it, though. Yes, God, I, I've kind of come to terms as well with the fact that this is just going to be such an aberrational and weird year that, uh, you know, everything from the 60-game season to the DH and the NL to, you know, the runner on second base to start extra innings to, you know, all these changes that have taken place. So I, I tend to just think that whatever the league needs to do at this point to get us through this 60-game stretch uh, – 
I'll, I'm on board. So, you know, I think that the Marlins, you know, in a practical sense, they're they're looking now at arms and bats. Anybody that they can get to put to put on a Marlins uniform that doesn't have COVID, uh, it seems like they're being signed by the Marlins at this point, including Mike Morin, who was on the Brewers opening day roster, never actually made an appearance for Milwaukee this season, but was claimed uh, after being DFA'd by Milwaukee several days ago um, by Miami. So, you know, I think that you are going to see them starting to pick up, you know, guys that can probably be serviceable and, and be ready to play sooner rather than later. Um, it's just kind of what they have to do at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I echo your guys' sentiments. I have a complaint about some of the changes in man baseball, but given that just to get through this season, I guess all bets are out of the table. I understand that for the most part. Uh, but I just hope some of these things don't stick beyond this year. Like uh, the things I mentioned, the seven inning thing should just not be a thing. But beyond that, I'm fine yeah. with the 30 man rosters for this, for this season. Definitely. I mean, throughout the whole year, that would be, I think a really good idea for flexibility. It also gives, you know, managers plenty of flexibility as far as like dealing with their pitching and all that stuff too. And I think it'd work out in the Brewers advantage also. So yeah. I think we'll it got, go it, for that. Yeah, it got lost a little bit in the shuffle, you know, because obviously COVID has, has taken a lot of the air out of the room. But if you if you guys remember, there was um, uh, a change going into this year that had already taken place any, prior to anything COVID-related that did expand the roster from 25 guys to 26. Now, granted, we're at 30 guys for these COVID times, but, um, you know, it, I think it is noteworthy to remember that Major League Baseball was already leaning in the direction of a roster expansion um, even prior to anything COVID-related for 2020. Yeah, you're right. And I think that that is something I think that will stick beyond this year, and I'm fine with expanding the rosters a little bit. And, of course, we already probably know that DH is here to stay, and we'll have to accept that as well. But, anyway, at this point, I'm very hopeful that we can get the MLB season in uh, and it's a tire of 60 games and I think it'll be a challenges and there's going to be some hurdles, but I think I'm, I'm so hopeful that it can get completed. And I, I really feel the Brewers are, are in a strong position to be one of the, the eight teams in the NL that are going to make the playoffs. So this should be an exciting year. And let's hope, hopefully some of the young guys really step up like Devin Williams, like Corbin Burns. Obviously we're seeing first, well, quote unquote, full year. Kevin here as a Brewer. So that's exciting already, but Christian Yelich, as soon as he gets up off the mat, this is going to be an exciting team to watch, that's for sure. Yep, agreed. All right, Scott, anything else? Um, one quick thing I wanted to kind of bring up because um, I know that I've kind of been on the Brewers lately for um, uh, their offense struggling a little bit. I thought um, there were definitely times when I thought the team was a little bit too aggressive, but – um, I, I don't know, kind of a weird stat, I guess. Um, so let's see, Eric Sogard so far, um, he has like nine walks. Is that right? It looks right. It's close to that. I know, I know he's got the best on base percentage on the Brewers right now. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, actually. Nine walks. Six, seven. Well, and, 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 you know, he's been clutch at the plate too in certain situations, you know, uh, we obviously didn't win the game, but uh, last night in Pittsburgh, Sogard got another, you know, very clutch hit. Uh, he just – he does figure out ways to get on base or get that clutch hit. So, you know, he's one of the guys – obviously, he's still very early in the year. But, um, you know, for the contract he was given, I, I am pretty glad that the Brewers have a guy like that on the team right now. 
you'd have to enter and look this up, Scott, but I'd almost venture to guess the entire rest of the team combined doesn't have nine walks. So anyway, I mean. Yeah, I think it's only seven. uh, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to actually look it up here. I think it's like seven walks in six games. It's still like, um, you know, for a guy who's only had a handful of at-bats so far, um, he's one of the few, um, I guess, table setters that has been very patient at the plate so far. So um, definitely, I think that, as maybe him and Kane start to warm up a little bit more, um, I think that hopefully that's going to, you know, help the offense from the top down and then uh, the middle of the order is going to start heating up too. So yeah, hopefully hitting's contagious, right? Um, walking, hopefully also contagious. I'm starting to speculate that council, you know, with the signing of Sogar and basically giving him a third base position uh, in the contract that he got, even though it's one year, I, uh, I think that they kind of envision Sogard as a leadoff hitter against right-handers, and Kane maybe their plan is to have a, right, a leadoff hitter against left-handers. But I guess we'll see going forward. Yeah, and, and Brock Bolt's going to continue to really figure, I think, into the third base mix too. But, you know, he did start off the year uh, not on the disabled list, but with an injury of sorts where he had banged up his ankle, I guess, in the exhibition game against the White Sox. And um, he started tonight, but it wasn't until the – second game of the Pirate Series where he appeared in a game at all. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure that like in past seasons, Craig uh, Council is going to find a way to to get guys there at bats and kind of juggle the lineup accordingly. But, um, you know, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a sprint. So I, I don't I don't know just because of the game numbers with only 60 games on the schedule. I, I don't know that there really is going to be a set quote unquote lineup. I think it's going to be kind of a pell-mell thing most nights, and there's a lot of different factors uh, to, to think about here. Yeah, yep. it should definitely be um, definitely be exciting. Yeah, I mean, even Jed Jericho could be factored into that third base conversation a little bit. But, um, yeah, I guess um, the only other things that I kind of wanted to bring up is quick rattle off the uh, NL Central scores. As you know, Brewers win 3 nothing over Pittsburgh. Um, Reds beat the Cubs 12-7, and Twins beat the Cardinals 3-zip. Um, so that's all your scoring for the NL Central anyway. Um, other, like, former Brewer news, uh, Mike Moustakis is back from his um, not-quite-COVID protocol, but just kind of being held out. Um, came back in homer today. And former Brewer catcher Jonathan Lucroy was DFA'd today by the Boston Red Sox. So, yeah, he had appeared in one game, never even got an at-bat. He filled in defensively for like an inning or something in Boston. So not the uh, most lengthy of uh, Red Sox careers. I also see that the Reds only have the upstart Reds are what we're expecting them to be a great team. Well, I won two games this year and both of them were pretty, were phenomenal. Sonny Gray starts. So fortunately the Brewers missed the ball on that one, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Reds, the- you look at Nick Castle, I was at a huge day today against the Cubs his former team of last year. Um, I don't know. The Reds' offense does kind of scare me a little bit. I do think they're going to be a better team than most people are, um, you know, than, than what they have been in the past. So it should be a really interesting NL Central race, that's for sure. Not all of us thought the Reds were going to be a good team, just for the record. <laughs> well, as long as we're speaking about um, NL hitters uh, named Nick, we can segue to Nick Marcakis coming back back apparently after opting out he's opting back in uh i guess that's a thing yeah this is one of the confusing things uh <laughs> to me scott and i know that we had talked about this a bit in our pre-production meeting but um i i was under the impression that 
once a guy opted out, he had opted out for the full season. That there really wasn't any going back to that. Like the Dodgers couldn't call back David Price for the playoffs, for instance. So I, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised that this happened today. I, I it was very unexpected. And again, I thought that once you were on that list of guys that had chosen to opt out of the season, that you were, you know, done for the year, and teams can make roster decisions accordingly. And uh, you know that that was the decision that was made. So. I, I don't read know what the Julian Stubbs was for, weeks, for but... players that were um, high risk or for COVID. That, that those players had the option to come back um, or something. So I don't know that Mark, Mark Agus, what his if he was labeled that or not for any health reasons. I haven't heard that, but I, I thought that that was the only caveat to that rule. But apparently, all the rules are out the window this year. So whatever, I guess. I guess uh, yeah, me, <laughs> the Braves. Are... Yeah, and, and Major League Baseball maybe maybe kind of they may not have necessarily the legal argument to back up what defines high risk. So that's kind of my only thought with this is that if Marquecas claims to be high risk, whether he's got, you know, a form of asthma or arthritis, I don't know. Uh, There still is a lot in the science that needs to come out as to what really constitutes high risk with, with COVID. And I, I, maybe baseball just doesn't want to go down that path, you know? So if somebody says that they're high risk and then, determines later on in the season that they can play. I don't know if baseball is going to argue with them and say, okay, you're not, you weren't high risk enough to make that decision or, or what it would be looking like from like a legal perspective or challenging challenges from the union. And uh, so I, I tend to think that perhaps it's just baseball not wanting to get into the legal weeds on this, so to speak. I think it's possible too, that like this was sort of used as like a, a deterrent, I guess, so that people would not opt out in the first place. Like if they said, just so you know, if you opt out, there's no coming back. That decision's final, that kind of a thing. It's sort of like um, at like one of my old jobs, they would say like, um, well, we really want you to do overtime. Can you do overtime like on Friday? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I won't commit to anything yet. And they're like, well, if you wait till Friday, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm like, okay then I won't take it. And then Friday would roll around and it would turn out I'd have no plans. And I'd say, Hey, I'll, I'll do overtime for you after all, if you want. And they'd go, Oh, thank you so much. And then they would do it. So like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's something like that. Sounds like your former employer is treating you a little bit like a child, Scott. I'm glad you don't work there anymore. Well, I'm very, <laughs> I've been told I'm very yeah. childlike. So. <laughs> In a good way though. Yeah. You're young, innocent man. <laughs> All right. Anything else that uh, we want to talk about or you want to wrap this one? No, let's uh, just remind folks they can give us a follow uh, Bruker review one on Twitter, uh, email any questions uh, to our interns, Bruker review podcasts with an S at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to get back to you right away. And uh, Scott, you're monitoring the Facebook page, I assume. Uh, no, it doesn't exist. It's gone. It's gone forever. It's in the ether somewhere. I don't or somewhere in cyberspace. I don't know where it is. So don't, don't, even, so don't even try to contact us through Facebook. Just forget it. <laughs> All right. So take a look for us on Facebook. And uh, no, that's it, guys. I, I, hopefully we get a, uh, a nice little weekend series here with some victories as well for Milwaukee. One and one now on series play. It'd be nice to get on the good side of that series win total. Yeah, absolutely. Home opener. Off day tomorrow and then home opener July 31st. One ten start. Central versus the Cardinals, those dirty birds. And make sure to call the Milwaukee Brewers ticket office and uh, ask how you can get a magnetic schedule, um, like the kind that you would get at the home opener. But since it's not available to fans, I'm sure they have something set up. So feel free to give them as many calls as you'd like.
Great point. And do you want to do you want to give them Jessica Brown's extensions, Kat, so that they can get directs? Um, no, but I th- I think it's just nine hundred two four thousand. That ought to. I mean, you can ask for her certainly if you need to run it up the flagpole. But um, yeah, <laughs> get those magnets. Sounds good, guys. All right. Well, on that All on right. that note, have a great night, everybody. Go Brewers. Stay classy, Brewers. Take off it. Go Brewers. Stay go Brewers. Stay classy, Wisconsin. Go Brewers. Do 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 do.